Um, all right, so Matt introduced me uh, by email earlier this week as Col uh, Bono's college roommate. Uh, that is not true. Uh, Bono did not go to college. He was on his, probably by the time he would have finished college, I think he was putting out his third album. Uh, so he did a lot more before uh, 22 than I've achieved in my life. Uh, so um, as y'all know, Matt's an uber fan of U2. I am um, a, a big fan. They've always been in my top 10. Um, but I'm kind of quietly campaigning for the gospel according to the Grateful Dead or Oasis or Beastie Boys to follow this series because my top five varies a little bit. But I will tell you that through this series and through this book, which I've, I've listened to, um, you two are back in heavy rotation for me. Um, and particularly Matt's teaching and just bringing back to fore uh, these lyrics and these thoughts and what you two kind of represent in the culture and in popular music. It's really, it really is special. Um, so we've been talking in this class about discovering a faith that's uh, complex enough uh, to help us begin to answer the constantly challenging uh, questions of our existence. Um, that's true enough that we can rely on it as a foundation for our daily lives. Um, that's powerful enough to transform us um, and enable us to transform our communities. Um, Matt uses the image of the t-shirt that no longer fits. Um, and, and some of us may be revisiting a faith that hasn't developed or evolved. Um, and, and that's really what we're trying to do in this class is, is to, maybe it's deconstruct, maybe it's reconstruct, maybe it's to think differently or better about what you know as fundamental truth but see it with fresh eyes. Um, and so uh, one of the things that I thought was really cool, the chapter in the book where Bono talks about this particular song, it's the song title is the chapter title. In fact, the book is structured as 40 uh, songs of U2. Um, the, this chapter, uh, uh, here we go, AV flaw. Ah. Um, he writes in this chapter, uh, wisdom is the recovery of innocence at the end of experience. Um, and the chapter is mainly a meditation on a life spent uh, with three friends making music, uh, Edge, Larry, and Adam, uh, over 40 plus years. Um, and, and kind of musing on the question, how did, how did we do that? I mean, how did we create consistently for that long and more importantly, how do we just learn to get along and stay together? Um, he said they kind of always viewed the band as a family business. Um, he said he was asked one time by a journalist whether it was real respect for each other that kept them together um, and civil, or was it prison etiquette, etiquette um, the fear of a knife fight in confined quarters? Uh, and Bono's response was, next question, please. Uh, but he goes on to say in this chapter, that the end of innocence, the recovery of innocence at the end of experience is, for him, returning to the scriptures. Um, when his well run dry, runs dry, when he's run out of love for his bandmates, when the ego takes over and he starts to believe the hype, uh, and he runs in rarefied air, right? Um, and so it takes a lot of extra effort to ground himself. 
And so he, uh, after all the experiences he's come through, uh, the wisdom he's gained tells him that innocence calls him back to love. Um, and, and biblical love, which, guys, this is a rock star that's writing this, which is pretty crazy. Um, and so the message of the song is straightforward. Love is bigger than anything in its way. Um, it's, the lyric is essentially a message from an older person written to his young adult children, um, but in it are reminders to himself about the truths that he's learned. So Sam and Jeff are going to sing the song for us.
Matt, Matt did tell me, is that back on? Uh, Matt did say, you know, you could just say the refrain three times, drop the mic and call it a class, and, and everyone's <laughs> been fed, right? Uh, I have, we have three uh, Bible passages uh, we're going to read. Um, if, uh, who has number one? If you could read that. Go ahead, Brad. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can imagine. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his presence. He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil and the evil one. Matthew 6, 6 5 through 15. All right, and, and, and any Bible scholars will probably know that that's a, a blend of a couple of uh, translations. Uh, all right, who's got number two, please? All right, let's read the third one. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, Romans 5, 1 through 5. Awesome. Thank you all. All right, so uh, the question for me becomes, love is bigger than anything in its way. What in the world do you say about that in a few minutes on a Sunday morning uh, when you actually have a real job uh, to, you know, in, in time, limited time to prepare and stuff? And one of the things that, to me, like the gating question became, when Bono sings this song, when we receive this message of the song, is he talking about like some disembodied cosmic force that's sort of in the ether and it's just sort of there as a you know, power? Um, or is, is he in the Bible, when the Bible talks about love, talking about something that is more real um, and more present in, in our lives? Um, and so, for me to organize this, I'd kind of like to share what have become kind of three main ways uh, to um, make love real in my life. Um, and the first one I want to talk about is uh, thinking love. Um, and uh, I got to tell you, the Lord's Prayer became a crutch for me during the pandemic. Um, I think early stage of the pandemic, I, I was weirded out completely. Like I was thinking like, it's going to be bodies in the streets and there's going to be, 
you know, bread lines and stuff, and it, this is going to get real ugly real fast. And thank God it didn't happen that way. Um, but one of the things that, for some reason, not long before the pandemic broke, I'd heard a really powerful message on the Lord's Prayer, and it brought the Lord's Prayer back to something more than just rote uh, concepts for me. Um, and, you know, the funny thing about most prayer is that it's reactive. Most of us pray, thank you, thank you, thank you, help me, help me, help me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? <laughs> and the Lord's Prayer is, is a really a centering, organizing prayer where Jesus is teaching those who would call themselves disciples of his how to start a day, how to think of a day, how to think of a life in the context of his kingdom. Um, he starts by saying, you know, God's name is to be hallowed. Uh, and then the, the real paradigm shifter for me was the question of how is it to be hallowed? And he gives us a very clear answer immediately after. He says, uh, may uh, give us this day our daily bread. Um, the us in that prayer is intentional. And it's not us as me, it's not me alone. It's not us as my family. It's us as his kingdom. It's, it's all of God's creation. And so when we pray that prayer as Jesus' disciples, what Jesus is saying is, when you think about yourself and your needs, also think about the needs of others. And let that be your guiding principle on how you op operate in the world. Um, so it's a prayer both for dependence on God and for others. Um, you know, Matt's so rightly said that Christianity is not really um, a system of beliefs alone. It's really a belonging system. And I would suggest that uh, all of creation is a belonging system. That the way God sees the world that he's put us in is that we all belong to each other um, and we are all in this together. Um, we experience the same rain, the same sun, uh, the same uh, um, hurricanes, uh, in, in that we were all Imago Dei. We were all images of the Creator God. Um, it's funny, uh, the reason I think of this as think love is how important mindset is to how we see uh, the world that we operate in. Um, the, uh, everybody know who Paul Hollywood is? Great British bank, oh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, Paul Hollywood's this British uh, entertainer, and uh, he did this show on cars, uh, and he went to different countries and drove, you know, cars that are typical of that country, whether it's, you know, junky cars or sports cars or, you know, luxury cars. And on the episode in Germany, uh, he, the guy that was sort of his guide and was kind of getting him into the culture of German cars in, in, in Germany generally, modern Germany, as they were driving, Paul Hollywood honked at somebody, and the guy was like, you know, don't honk. We don't honk in Germany. And he's like, really, why? And he's like, in Germany, we have the view that we are all sharing these roads together and that we're all trying to get to a different destination but doing it at the same time and that we all should be nice to each other and try to just do what we can to help each other get along our way. Now, I'm sure that could be tested in Germany <laughs> and some Germans would fail that. But when I heard that, I was like, dude, can you imagine what driving on I-10 would be like if we had that same mindset of like, we're all just trying to get along, get to a different place, but do it at the same time together? Um, it's, it's, it's kind of transformative. Um, so our flawed human tendency 
uh, is to see uh, the other as the other. Um, and, you know, it's funny, the Pharisees, who Jesus didn't have a great time with, uh, their question was, who's my neighbor? Like, tell me who I need to be nice to. Tell me who I need to care for um, so that I can kind of draw the barriers. Um, and Jesus was like, this is not the right question, right? Um, so uh, I've also been re watching recently the uh, U.S. and the Holocaust documentary, the, the Ken Burns one. And it's really striking to me how, um, in a culture, the other thinking, for the average civilian, how quickly they went from kind of like, I don't like those people, to somebody giving them voice to say, you can hate those people, and to an entire culture deciding to, to destroy people. And so other thinking can be very dangerous. And Jesus' message is, there is no other. We all belong to each other. Um, I will say this too, uh, the, the uh, oneness mindset doesn't uh, mean that we all have to um, understand each other or get along. Unity of thought isn't uniformity. Um, one of the, I, and, and, and a lot of this is like self-taught, self-lessons, because I used to, I used to be a real jerk. And I have, I have someone who's in the front row who can attest to that. And, and now I'm sometimes kind of a jerk, I'd like to think, at, at worst. Um, but it's, uh, I, I mean, for me, everything deserved a criticism or a judgment or an evaluation. And not just in my thought, but in my words. And that's pretty, pretty exasperating and, and tiresome, right? Um, getting to a place where I can actually see people positively is part of my journey, um, but where I am right now is, uh, I was taught by the very wise sage, Liam Gallagher, lead singer of Oasis, uh, who did this great YouTube video, YouTube video where they played him a bunch of songs, and I think the, the thought was, he's gonna just lambast these other musicians and stuff, and it really, he didn't fall for it, and instead, his, his response on things he didn't like was, not for me, mate. And I was like, that's a pretty good answer. If, like, you're not into something, or you don't agree with somebody, just to be able to say, not for me, mate. Like, that's fine for you, that's not for me, and let's just kind of figure out how we can find common ground. Um, so, uh, when we uh, have that urge uh, to um, see someone as the other, um, I think it's critical to remember that that person is Imago Dei, that that person is the face of God. Um, the lyrics of the song here are so good. Uh, where Bono says, I know the rage in you is strong. Write a world where we can belong to each other and sing it like no other. Um, that we each have the ability to kind of rewrite the script of our lives and how we see people and how we interact with them. Um, all right, so uh, I want to take a moment of meditation, if we can. Uh, I would like to encourage everyone to take just a second to bring to mind a person or a group that you regard as other. Um, we won't do this in pairs, but just as a moment, let's just stop and think about, uh, is there somebody that you see as other in your existence, if you're honest with yourself? And then take this time to press the reset button and see that person as face of God, as Imago Dei, or that group. 
All right. As Bono says, love is bigger than anything in its way. Um, all right, so the next part is acting love. Um, uh, Brian McLaren wrote this really good book called The Great Spiritual Migration. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is uh, how the Christian religion's been around for 2,000 years, and yet we uh, still haven't developed a curriculum of love. Like we as cultures throughout history have been very good about developing methodologies for teaching pretty much any subject, mathematics, science, whatever it is. But he's like, the church for 2,000 years has had a scattershot approach to teaching love to its people. And he's like, this is not right. Like, we need to do better. Um, and one of the fundamental truths that he lands on that he says is inescapable, if you want to, um, to, to grow in love, he says, although you can learn beliefs in isolation, you cannot learn love apart from community. Um, and so the principal thing in acting love, living out love, is being in community. And community can be uh, many, take more, many forms. You know, parent-child relationship is community. Husband, wife, spouse, companion is community. Um, coworkers is community. Um, all of these relationships that we either have foisted upon us because of our circumstances in life, or that we go out and choose for ourselves our community. Um, and these relationships really are the lab where we get to put our think love uh, mindset to the test, right? Um, Eugene Peterson, the writer of the, the message that we cribbed from in the Bible passages, he said that uh, he spent his life as a pastor and writer, and he said whenever he moved to a new place, he sought out the smallest church that he felt identified generally with his beliefs about Christianity. And the reason he wanted a small church community was because you cannot hide. And he said, I knew that I needed to be in a place where I would be challenged to be more loving because that was his life's pursuit. Um, and so I think it's great, you know, this, this class in particular has been a wonderful experience for me personally. Um, I've made a lot of friendships that I never would have imagined uh, in the time that we've been together. And, and long may it last and may it continue to grow. And, and I would encourage everyone to just find ways to make this or aspects of this or this church generally community for yourself. Um, so, uh, in fact, as an aside, if you haven't seen the uh, Bono and Eugene Peterson interview on YouTube, it's worth 20 minutes. Uh, and there's no, nothing better, I'll give away the ending, where Eugene Peterson's wife tells Bono not to run uh, as he's leaving the house. I mean, it's just wonderful. Like, these people had no idea who Bono was before he came into their lives, and then Eugene Peterson, this great thinker, has become friend, became friends with John Bono in the latter parts of his life. Um, okay, so uh, Brian McLaren says, uh, loving a distant and theoretical God who must be approached through complex belief systems can be tough, even exhausting, mentally and emotionally. But loving the God who is experienced in love for neighbor, for self, and creation comes as naturally as breathing. Um, Richard Rohr puts it this way, God is an event of communion. Um, so being in community, being uh, active in love, uh, in relationship, is really the kind of key to experiencing God. Um, uh, Tim Mackey is a, a writer also who... Uh, he 
talks about the kingdom of God and, and what the kingdom of God is, because we also don't have a very good idea of what that is. Um, he said, really, we think of heaven space as something that's distant and away from us, and we think of like human space, earth space, as the, the, what we see. And he says, really, they're, they're not all that separate and distinct. And when we look at Jesus and what his ministry was, Jesus was really coming to earth to bring heaven, the goodness of heaven, into the earth to show us what the garden was meant to be and what's possible, right? In fact, he says it this way, that Jesus came from heaven to get the hell out of here, <laughs> right? Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the other ways that beyond community that we get better at love is enacting love by doing uh, in community for others. Um, and not just in the comfortable community that we are familiar with. Um, I've been convinced in the last 10 years or so uh, that giving is not just writing checks, that it's a lot more, and that real transformative giving is relational and connectional. Um, and it's hard sometimes because we all have demands on our time and our lives, and we also don't like to be uncomfortable, most of us, and so, uh, but there are lots of low impact ways to find connectional, relational ways to give on a short term basis, um, ad hoc stuff, um, or on more sustained things. Uh, you know, there's, uh, in, just in this church, things that I know about are like Collegiate Challenge, where you mentor high school kids in preparing for the um, college admissions. Uh, Year-round manna is a great way to, to do uh, emergency help for people in, in uh, the Spring Branch community, say yes to the prom dress. I mean, there's, Suzanne Harder is a great point person, uh, and there's like just lists of things on the website. And it can be overwhelming just to see. Uh, Evan, you might be also a good person to talk to. Uh, I see you lurking in the shadows. <laughs> um, but uh, I would encourage this class, uh, as a group and individually, how can we uh, act love? How can we make a difference in our community? And one of the things that uh, Julie made a great suggestion a few weeks ago about small group uh, dinners and stuff, which are wonderful, um, and I would suggest that maybe this class becomes an incubator for service projects where you know we find ways as, as maybe small groups or larger group, but we find ways to proactively put the talents that we've all been blessed with and the resources we have into good purpose um, as a group. There's no, to me also, there's no greater way to get to know somebody than just doing a task with them. Um, and so it's a great way to form relationships uh, within this. All right, so um, here's the part that I find um, most challenging. Um, I would say this, maybe you theoretically bought into the idea of love. Um, maybe you've even committed to show love in relationships um, and in community. Um, but maybe it's mostly in the head. Um, and if that's the case, if you're like me, it frequently comes up short. Um, it veers too easily into resentment um, and sometimes even runs dry. Um, and I would say that uh, it probably could have put this at the beginning of this, um, but I think it's sort of recently dawned on me that this is kind of the fundamental issue for me and, 
and so I'll share it as maybe somebody else says, do that to me too. Um, the, uh, we read this one spiritual truth at the beginning in the um, passage, I think, uh, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Um, the passage that follows says that he did this even while we were sinners, um, which teaches us the fundamental truth that's really hard for a lot of us to accept is we don't have to be perfect to be loved. We don't have to perform to get to be loved, to receive God's love. Um, and some of us, man, that is like, that just can't, can't accept that, right? Um, and, and receiving love really is, I think, it, it all goes together. So it's not like a, I want to make it sequential, but it, it all kind of goes together that receiving love and embrace, being embraced by that love, knowing that we're called to love, to think love towards others and act in love with each other and with our, our communities, um, it all goes together, but if, you can, if, if we don't receive love, I'm convinced it gets a lot harder to do the think and act love. Um, this, uh, a couple things that occurred to me uh, is that um, maybe we don't have a clear concept of what love is. Um, maybe love was scarce in our families of origin. Um, maybe the imagery of love of the Father in the Bible uh, is uh, problematic. Uh, for us, some of us. Um, and so uh, here's something that I'd like to do, another meditation. Uh, in, in this one, I think I want to encourage anybody who, for whom this resonates um, is, is to take this question and use it in your own time uh, during the week when you start to feel like the well's running dry or I'm just not quite getting it. Um, is to ask this question, ask the Spirit this question on a personal basis. Um, what's blocking me from receiving love? Or what drives me to act if not love? What's blocking me from receiving love? Or what drives me to act if it's not love? And while you're thinking, I'll throw out some common culprits. Insecurity. Fear. Anxiety, trauma, woundedness, control, comfort, safety, selfishness. Paul, um, in his letter to the community of believers in Ephesus that he had founded and pastored, lived there for three years of his ministry. Um, in the letter that we have that he wrote back to them, he um, prayed a prayer that he recorded for their benefit. Um, he said, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Um, I, I pray that that's our prayer for ourselves and for our families and for our community, and that it, it recognizing the, the core of it, which is being rooted and established in love, that that is at the source. Um, let's bring it back to Bono as he writes in the song, the door is open to go through, the path is made by you. Uh, so... I think that's all I have. Uh, 
Um, I guess anybody, anybody want to salvage this time by having a comment that improves upon it uh, or con contribute in any way? I would say questions, but I'm not Matt, so I don't have answers. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, just go on and on and on. Yeah, I, it's it's also I, I when I looked it up to pull it uh, to write it down, it, I couldn't remember the context of when the Lord's prayer is presented. It's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, which tells you a lot about what Jesus was trying to do. I mean, ultimately, uh, Tim Mackey says that basically Jesus's ministry can be summed up in four words: love God, love people. Uh, and if you look at the strict structure of the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be thy name is the love God part, and the re almost the rest of it is love people. It's like, take that, pr praise God, and how do we hallow God's name? It's, Jesus never said, worship me to his disciples. It's interesting to think about. 87 times in the, in the gospel, he he's said, follow me. And, and we follow his example. What we follow is a person who healed, who loved, who cared for, who forgave. And so that is how we bring about a kingdom, and that's how we hallow God's name, is by doing the things to each other, with each other, that Jesus did when he walked the earth. Anybody else? Paul. Yes, sir. Excellent message. Thank you. Uh, what really hit me was kind of the circular notion of the three things. They're not sequential. They all work together, and so you can't, you can't have one without the other. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? I really like your point uh, in the Lord's Prayer using the, the Jesus who's the plural gift us this day. Um, and I've kind of pouring that over my mind. And I think that's a really strong point. In Jesus' day, there were a whole bunch of people that thought they were the only ones that God cared about, that you know, they had the monopoly. And uh, over and over, Jesus kicked those social barriers down. Roman centurion, fine, I'll talk to you about your son. A woman, Samaritan woman at the well who is an adulteress, sure, but we can chat. There are no barriers. The man-made barriers that we erect, Jesus knocked down, and there are plenty of man-made barriers today. And uh, people out there erecting them and saying us versus them, um, that's not, if we're to follow him, as you say, then we need to be knocking those barriers down, yeah, yeah. And, and as I said, I, I mean, I, it, it really, the, the subtle other thinking and where that leads to and just having recent, you know, modern history to give us an example, it's, it's terrifying to think about. And, it's, and it is really dangerous, and I think it's really, it's the role of the Christians to counteract that in love. Um, and, and, it's, and it's in subtle ways. And I, I mean, I'm, I've been guilty of it in making offhanded comments uh, with friends, and, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry for it, but it's, it is something that we all, I think, have to capture and think about and, 
and, and change the mindset. I saw another hand over here. Yeah. I was just going to say, just as you were finishing, my mind just went to a song that has gone to church all my life that we learned when we were little, and it just had more meaning. Deep and wide. And it talks about the flow of the fountain, deep and wide, and it's talking about love. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, Okay, I've been singing this all my life. <laughs> now, I now I know what he was talking about. Nobody ever told us as children that was about love. Right, that's so great. Yeah, great. Yeah, like I said, ever since I heard this teaching on the Lord's Prayer, I, I don't know. I don't, in fact, most days the only prayer I pray is Lord's Prayer. And, and I take it line by line and I, I kind of hyperlink it. In, in my own like prayer of like, what does this mean for me? And what do I, you know, how do I put this into practice today? That's another hymn. I was going to say, you might as well matter next song you should talk about it, Heavenly Father. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like it. I think often we're told to, to give and to love others, but often I don't hear the message to receive love. And I feel, and I feel like, when, when you realize that God loves you and just to receive his love and receive love from others, it's, it's transforming. Yeah. That, that verse in Romans about, you know, he's poured out. Just think about that image of God like just, I mean, and God doesn't like trickle pour, right? Anytime he does something, it's like force of creation, universe, existence level. And it says he poured out his love into our hearts. And just to think about like, us is like a channel of that love. Um, it, 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 it's really kind of liberating, right? Because then it's like, oh wait, I don't have to manufacture love. I, don't, I mean, I may have to figure out what are the hindrances, what are the barriers, what are the blocks in my own psyche or life experience that's keeping me from letting that love flow out of me. But like when Matt talks about vulnerability, one form of vulnerability is, to being, is being loving to somebody and risking them not accepting it, right? And so, but, but that's all we're called to do is just transmit that love. Anybody else? I'm going to say really quick. Go for I read it. something recently about the ego and when the ego is hurt or wounded or um, not healthy, it cries out for attention. So instead of being like the old, which I used to say all the time, your ego is not your amigo, like be friends with that, like be, be loving towards that, and get, have God ask God, show me why am I, why is why is my ego inflamed, or you know what what healing do I need in my ego so that it's small and it's in its right place so that love is more present in my life. It, that's great, and, and let me just confirm anybody who is suspicious. That's an instruction from Jennifer to me. Uh, <laughs> those who don't know, this is my wife, and so. Uh, no, that's right, yeah. All right, well, uh, should we get up and hold hands and have a prayer? Matt, Matt would be proud of us. Uh, oh, thank you. All right. Dear God, thank you for uh, teaching us about love today, reminding us um, it's, it's complex, but it's so clear. Um, and, and you gave us the example by your son, um, and, and help us just to embrace and to receive 
your love and to show that love and to be transformed ourselves and to transform our relationships in our communities by your love. Thank you for this class and for Chapelwood and for each person who's here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.